you have your Bible, please open it to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 12. Who is man? Who are you? Not in light of other people, but who are you in light of who God is? That's an important question. Who are you in light of who God is? John Calvin, the old reformer, says, Nearly all the wisdom we possess, that is to say true and sound wisdom, consists of two parts, knowledge of God and of ourselves. But while drawn by many bonds, which one perceives and brings forth the other is not easily to discern. In the first place, no one can look upon himself without immediately turning his thoughts to the contemplation of God in whom he lives and moves. So who is man in light of who God is? is an important question. Just like the question we answered last week, who is Jesus? Who is he? He is the light of the world. He is the light who reveals himself through self-revelation. And what he reveals to the world is his otherness. He's more than just a man, right? He is both God and man. The Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ. I am who I am, says Jesus, not who people say I am. Humanity cannot properly answer the question, who is God, and nor can they properly answer the question, who is man, in light of who God is. Jesus is the one who can properly answer that question, for he alone is the light of the world. And his word says in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let us pray. Father, as we come to your truth, I I pray that your spirit, Father, will preach to my heart, for I need it this morning. I really do. To take away my pride, take away my need for approval, that, that, that the Spirit would minister to me through the preached word. And I know I can't change hearts. I can't change my own heart. And so, Spirit, I beg you, I plead with you to come in this place, to fill this place with your presence and your power and do a great work in us. For Christ is the true vine, Lord, in which we have life. We cannot do anything apart from him. And so I pray that you will come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Light doesn't just reveal, like Jesus revealing himself, but light does two other things. Light also exposes, and light also enlightens. Jesus is the true light who exposes the world and enlightens the world. And he does this through judgment. First, through a judgment that enlightens. A judgment that enlightens. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered them, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. 
For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know me and where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Keep in mind the context of our passage here. Jesus makes this I am statement. I am the light of the world. And the Pharisees quickly call him a liar. They quickly call him a liar for false boasting. They said, you are not the light of the world, Jesus. That is not true. But Jesus tells them, my testimony is true. For I am who I am, not who you say I am. Their opinions and their decision about him is wrong because it's based on earthly standards. It's a man-centered approach to telling Jesus who he is. They judge him according to the flesh. But Jesus tells them, I judge no one. What does he mean by that? He means that this present time, he has not come to pass final judgment. You see, his earthly ministry is not one of condemnation. His earthly ministry was there to present the way of salvation. And that's what he means when he says, I'm not here to judge. Because he's here to present, present the way in which man can be saved. John 3.17 it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So right now, he is not here as that judge. But he tells the Pharisees, he gives them a clarification. He says, even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I alone not judge my father who sent me. Both, I, both of them judge together. His first comment is not about final judgment. But there is a judgment in another sense. And his judgment answers the question, who is man in light of who God is? Jesus coming as the light of the world answers the question, who is man in light of who God is? And his judgment about who we are is true. His judgment about who you are is true. It's based upon divine judgment, the Father and the Son. And his judgment exposes us to ourselves. Jesus is the light who exposes the world. Remember, it's who you are in light of who God is, not in, who, not in light of who other people are. First John 1 John 1.5 says, God is light. That's who God is. If God is light, then who are we? Who is man? Left to himself, man will always answer that question in an unbiblical way. He will never arrive to the biblical answer to that question. Every time, it will lead to an unbiblical answer to who we are in light of who God is. Please know that. Human beings judge themselves by themselves, and it's based totally on the flesh, earthly standards. For example, one Greek philosopher says, Man is the measure of all things. Man is the measure of all things. Now, this was said before Christ came. Man is the measure of all things. This means there is no truth apart from what man deems is true. Man determines what is true. Man determines what is good. Truth and goodness are just subjective to man. Man is the sinner who, who, who sets the standards for all things. He determines his own reality. In this view, man himself is on top 
God is beneath him or God doesn't exist at all. Man is the measure of all things. Emmanuel Kant says, the enlightenment is the emergence, is the emergence of man from his self-inflicted immaturity. Immaturity is the inability to use one's wisdom without making use of the guidance of another. Is that biblical? Is that biblical, that statement? Is man, can man get to a place where he does longer need the guidance of God? Because that's what that statement is saying. To be mature is to use my own guidance, my own wisdom, without the use of someone else. Human beings have a natural bent towards autonomy. Freedom from external control and influence. I want to determine my own reality, my own destiny. We live our lives with this false belief that we are actually in control. And we're not dependent upon anyone or anything for our existence. Is that the divine judgment about who we are as human beings? Is that what scripture teaches about who man is? That he's completely autonomous, completely dependent upon anyone or anything for his existence? No, it is not. The divine judgment about human beings is on the completely, is on the opposite side. We are not autonomous beings who are completely independent and self-existing. We're not the measure of all things. The Bible clearly presents us as dependent creatures made in the image of our creator. The Bible presents us as dependent creatures made in the image of our creator. Do you know the reason why human beings can love? Do you know the reason why human beings can create, can invent things, can reason, can have relationships? Why? Because we are created in the image of God. That's why. That's why. Without that image, we can't do any of those things. That's why we're able to do those things. But there's an issue. that The, the image that, that is in every human being has, has a major problem. It's a problem that we can't just gloss over. It's the reason why human beings are flawed and imperfect creatures. The image of God in us is broken. It's a broken image. Not destroyed, because if it was destroyed the world we live in would be a whole lot worse. It's like a shattered mirror. You ever seen a shattered mirror? Can you still see your reflection in the mirror? But it's shattered. That's what the image of God in you is like now. Why is that? Because the fall happened. Genesis 3 is true. It's not a fairy tale. not a Disney movie. It's reality. The fall actually happened. Genesis 3 is true. And that's why we're more than just flawed. We're more than just imperfect. We are sinners. And in the eyes of divine judgment, in the eyes of the Father and Son, we are sinners by nature, not by behavior. By nature, not by behavior. This means every human being is in darkness because of the fall. God is light. And who we are in light of God we are in darkness. That's who we are. 
and no human being would naturally come to see that reality. You would naturally, you, we, we, don't ever, we don't get to that place with ourselves. What we call is that, uh, we're just imperfect. We're just flawed. You got some bad people out there, but majority of people in the world are naturally good. Not everybody is a Hitler and things like that. We are blind to this darkness. It has to be exposed to us. It has to be exposed to us. Jesus says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Now, you do realize the opposite of that is true, that if you're not following him, you are in darkness. If you're not following Jesus, you are in darkness. The opposite of that is true. So if you're here today and you don't know Christ, you are in darkness. And if you can't see it, because you're blind to it. But Jesus can open your eyes to it, to that reality, to that truth. And to walk in darkness means you live in it. Whenever the Bible uses that term walk, particularly in the Old Testament, it's talking about this is the way you live your life. This is the way you spend your life. This is your reality. This is your nature. You walk in darkness. And the manifestation of true light exposes this reality. Remember, who am I in light of who God is? God is light. What does that mean? It means he's perfect. It means he's holy without sin, without flaw, without imperfection. And who are we in relation to that? We're not that. Now, if I make a determinant, if I define myself by other people, then guess what? I'm pretty good compared to some people, right? But that's not the question of the Bible. It's who you are in light of who God is, not who you are in light of other sinful people. Because if I am, who am I in light of who God is shows me that I don't have it all together. That there's something wrong. That I'm actually in darkness. God is light. I am not light. John 3.19 says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love darkness rather than light. Because their works are evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. It does not come to the light. Lest his works should be exposed. That's the judgment. That's mankind. That's us. Jesus exposes us to the sin that, that stains everything we do. And it's hard for people to, to accept this reality because we want to believe people are naturally good. Are we naturally good? Any good that we do is just a reminder that God's image in us is not destroyed. That's all, that's all that is. It's a reminder that the image of God is still there. It's just shattered. And goodness, again, it's who, I'm, who am I in light of who God is? Jesus exposes our heart. That's what he does. He shows the heart behind the things that we do. And the natural bent of our hearts is to be independent of God. To be independent of Him, our Creator. And that is the essence of sin. If you want to look at Genesis 3, the fall, what was really behind that, man wants to be independent of God, his own Creator, his own boss, his own rules. And that's sin. You want to set your own rules. You want to be on top. You want to be the man or the woman. Independence from God. 
Are you exposed to that? If you're not a believer, are you being exposed? Do you see it? That you're separated from God. That independence from Him is what sin is. And if you are a believer, what sin is He still exposing in your heart? What is it? As Susan said, you're not saved by environment. You're saved by Jesus. Being here doesn't save you. Only Jesus does. If you grew up with siblings, you know, with brothers and sisters, then you either experience or you are currently experiencing what I call the telltale game. And the telltale game is where, where siblings go and expose the sins of their sisters and brothers to their parents. And, and you, how you win that game is the purpose of that game is for your siblings, your brothers and sisters to get in trouble. So and you take satisfaction when they get in trouble. Because, you know what, I expose you. Now I get the joy of watching my dad and my mom punish you for it. Is that what Jesus do? Is that what Jesus does with your wrongdoing? Does he go tell the father, look what he, Lyle did. Now go punish Lyle for it. <laughs> Is that what Jesus does with our sin? No, he doesn't expose our sin for that. He exposes it for another reason. Another reason. John 9, 39 says, For judgment I come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. His judgment, this judgment exposes, it also enlightens. It enlightens the world to the path of freedom. Because if all that Jesus did would expose my sin, I mean, I'm in trouble. Like, show me how to deal with it. Don't just expose it to me. He also showed you the way out. So if you're sitting there convicted, if you're sitting there like, man, I'm messed up, guess what? Jesus shows you the way out. He shows you the way to freedom. The question is, do you want to be free? Do you want to be free? That's the question. He tells the Jews, unless they believe in him, they would die in their sins. They would die in them if they don't believe in him. And so, whoever follows him would not walk in darkness, but would have the light of life. And to follow Jesus is not like following him on Twitter. That's not what he's talking about. It's not going to Jesus' Twitter handle. That's not what he's talking about. And the Greek term for follow is not being a bandwagon follower. It's not being a groupie. Not none of those terms. This term for follow is only used in the gospel. Think about that. When I, when I read that, I was like, wow. This term to follow is only used in the four gospels. None of the epistles, none of the Paul's letters. It's only used in the four gospels. You know why? Because it's always used in relationship to Christ. That's why. It's always used to signify a relationship with the Messiah as his disciple. That's what it means. To follow him as a disciple. To follow him as someone who is internally attached to Jesus who ex- and who externally walks in his ways. A disciple of Christ. That's what he's talking about. Whoever follows me as my disciple will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He tells the Jews in verse 31, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. To know the truth is to know that Jesus is your path to freedom. 
He is your way to out of darkness. There is no other way. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, leave here knowing that there is no other way for you to be free from your sin. No other God, no other religion. There's not anything good that you can do. It's only through the person of Jesus that you can be free from your darkness. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. The only way. And those who follow Jesus will not walk in darkness. Our English translation of this phrase, it it doesn't bring out the, the true force of what the Greek is saying with that phrase, not walk in darkness. And when I was doing my prep this week, you know, it, it has a dub, double negative in the Greek with what is called the aorist seductive. And when you put all those together, it's the strongest way to say something ain't ever going to happen. The most powerful way to say this would never happen. And what he is saying here is that those who follow him would never, ever, 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 ever live in darkness. Why? Because his blood would never lose its power. That's why. Because his blood would never lose its power. You would never be in darkness. You would truly be set free. Because if the Son set you free, you are free indeed. But do you believe it? Do you believe it? You say free from what? What is he going to free me for? I'm not a slave, Alex. I'm free. What am I a slave to? Jesus says, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. Guess what? Human beings are not autonomous. That's a lie. You are actually a slave to sin. That's who we are. We are not autonomous. We are not independent beings. And so if you are not in relationship with Christ, if you're not a slave to Christ, then you are a slave to the sin you live by. Remember, you don't own anything. The things end up owning you. You don't own your workaholic stuff. Workaholic owns you. You don't own your addiction. Your addictions own you. You don't own your sin. Your sin owns you. It is your daddy. It is your master. You bow down to it. It rules over you. And if you're tired of that, then you need to go to Jesus. And what I mean by that, if it's self-righteousness or unrighteousness, your goodness or your badness, those things own you. You don't own them. And if you're tired, then you need to go to the sun. If you want to be free, then you need to go to the sun. It's the only way. The only way. Sin on us. Jesus enlightens the world to the way out. And the question is, do you want to be out? Do you want freedom from your shame? Do you want forgiveness for everything you've ever done? Do you want freedom from guilt? Do you want healing? Are you tired of trying to earn God's favor? Are you tired of trying to pretend like you have it all together? Are you trapped in addictions that you want freedom from? Do you want hope? Come to the sun and your chains will fall off. Your chains will fall off. When you come to him, He gives you the light of life. And that, people, is newness of life. Newness of life. 
that is salvation. There's been a new creation in Jesus who gives you everlasting hope and a security that preserves you until the end. A love that will pursue you to the ends of the earth. That is what Jesus offers. And if you leave here today not wanting that, not holding on to that, then I ain't got nothing else for you. There's nothing else I can tell you but what I'm telling you now. What you need is Jesus. And what you're always going to need is Jesus. To the end, his blood will never lose its power. You got to rest in that. Let us pray. Father, I needed that. My heart needed that. And I will continue to need that reminder. So often, Lord, we forget. We forget about him and focus so much on just other things. And we forget, Lord, about Jesus. We forget about how good he is to us and what he is to us. Because we think we're going to get to a place where we don't need him. We're always going to need him. We're never going to be able to do away with faith in what Jesus has done for us, Lord. And that should be exciting to, to know that that blood is over us. We'll, we'll never lose its power. That means that I'm forgiven. There's repentance. There's grace. And my prayer is for those who don't know you today that your spirit, Lord, would be working in their hearts. And I pray for your people who do know you that you would meet them where they are. Remind them that it's never what they do. It's all what Christ has done for them. Give them the assurance to know that their salvation, their life is in good hands. And that your blood over them will never lose its power. And I thank you so much for this, Lord. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Will you please stand as we close?